Welcome to Insight Aviation, helping you to take a look inside the world of captains, aerospace professionals, air traffic controllers, and much more. Learn how they got started, where they are now, and their advice for aspiring aviators. This series is brought to you by Wayman Aviation Academy. Learn to fly with a safe, reliable, professional academy. Located between Miami and Fort Lauderdale in sunny South Florida, USA. Enjoy the training and cosmopolitan life with Wayman's 42 aircraft, six airline partners, and two bases to help you be the captain. So let's uh, maybe a brief introduction. Captain Wayne Meyer, I've known you for years. We've had an opportunity to do discovery flight days and to talk to our instructors. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Captain Myers. Well, my name is Wayne Mayers. First of all, thank you for having me this afternoon. I'm the uh, base chief pilot for JetBlue Airways in Fort Lauderdale. Um, just a little bit about my background, I guess we could say I, I started here in Miami. I started as a, uh, went to George T. Baker Aviation in Miami, started out as a uh, A&P school. I uh, did my airframe first in high school, and then I, I completed the program one year after high school and got my uh, my power plant license so i started pretty young i started at 14. um i was actually too young to get my airframe license by the time i completed the uh the program but uh once i turned 18 i was able to get uh, my my uh, amp uh license Excellent. so at that point we decided to uh pretty much um i i liked working on airplanes i liked being around airplanes but i decided i wanted to go fly so at that point i, I uh went to Miami Dade and I figured out how, how to take courses. And I went to the closest flight school, which happened to be Opalaka, um, where, uh, where Wayne is. And, um, and I got my private license and then I was trying to decide if, if there was something I wanted to pursue more, or if, if I wanted to go back to maintenance and, um, I got my private and I started working, um, working on, on airplanes in Op- Opalaka and I decided I wanted to become a commercial pilot. So um, uh, I'll try to keep it as short as possible, but uh, I ran into another guy who was also also trying to become a commercial pilot and he was at Miami-Dade and he had a, he basically gave me a blueprint to follow and said, hey, Wayne, this is what I did to help you get your certificates and your, and your college degree at the same time. So I was able to do that, transfer my, my credits from uh, Miami-Dade over to Emory Riddle and basically got my four-year degree in basically about two and a half years. Um, Great. So, so I, I got my college degree and I uh, started work, continue working on my ratings and uh, pretty after that, after that, I, I got my ratings. I worked for 135, built my experience and got my opportunity to go to the regionals. Uh, I was at the regional airlines for about three years. And then I got an opportunity to work for a company called Miami Air down here in Miami, yes. flying 737s all over the world. I did that for a little more than a little more than three years, and then after that, I got my opportunity at JetBlue Airways, where I've been here coming up on eleven years. There's a lot to unpack there. Wow, another <laughs> <laughs> career in like two minutes. Um, a lot to unpack there. Um, well, first of all, for for everyone that's joining us, the format here is is a little interesting because this is a, it's called a Zoom webinar. So we can take questions and answers and, and uh, through the chat and, and all that uh, here. And also for those of you watching us on Facebook Live, I always like to know where our viewers are. You know, Let me know if, if you're sitting here in South Florida or in Kansas or in Dubai or Lima, wherever you might be, let us know. We kind of get some, some interesting ones. And that helps us kind of direct, I think, our questions and answers as well if we know where you're coming from. Now, uh, 
Captain Wayne, you uh, spoke to our flight instructors about a year ago. And as you go through uh, your your background here, there's so many so many overlapping areas there, right? First of all, starting as a mechanic is, I think, a great proven route for a lot of people. Um, our director of maintenance, who runs this beautiful hangar, uh, George T. Baker graduate as well. Oh, wow. Pilot, yep, absolutely. Uh, George T. Baker is this wonderful high school uh, and college, actually now, program right across the street from Miami International Airport. And they have a, uh, well, what's it called? Like a dual enrollment kind of thing, right? Where mm -hmm. you're taking high school classes and maintenance classes simultaneously. So there's 18-year-old kids graduating out of there with, with airplane or power plant tickets. Uh, I think it's incredibly impressive. And so you were there at a very young age, it sounds like. Yeah, I was... Um... I just, it was luck, uh, lucky. I, I actually wanted to get into pro into the program from ninth grade and they didn't allow ninth graders to get in because you had to, at the time you had to take the tape test and the tape test was like general English, um, basic math skills, things of that nature. And they wanted to make sure that you scored well on that in ninth grade before you actually went into the program in 10th grade. So um that, that kind of held me back a little bit, but it, it was fun. It was fun. Um, it, you spend half the day at your local high school and you spend the other half of the day uh, at the A&P school. And, you know, it was, it was fun to work on sheet metal and, 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 and plane airplanes and, 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 and work on airplanes while everybody else was still uh, sitting in class, you know, studying history and stuff. It was actually doing something that was practical and in and, and an industry that I, that I enjoy and, and like to be involved in. Now, now, I did not go to George C. Baker, but I've had the opportunity to visit many times. I, I think it's a magical place. Like you think about like the, the woodshop class that high schools used to have. A lot of them don't have it anymore. <laughs> but this place, like half the place is like a hangar. There's like, there's Cessnas in the back and there's a 727, I think, back there. Uh, it, it might be a 7. That was a 707. It was a 707. It was a 707 uh, back in the day. I, I don't know if they have a 727 now. I, I, I actually have an MD-80 now. That's what it is. They have an American MD-80. Yeah. A super agent. Of a giant crane lifting it across uh, 36th Street. Uh, Lejeune, yeah. <laughs> across Lejeune and placing it yeah. down. It's amazing because those airplanes get taken apart and put back together every single year. And now for, for our younger listeners that are, that are chiming in, we've got a great audience today because Everyone wants to know about uh, JetBlue and, and you as a chief and, and all the advice I'm sure you have to give. Um, but this is a bit of advice we can give right now to any of our young listeners that are still high school age, is that there are a lot of programs like this around the country I've been finding out. I, I heard about one in Illinois that's a high school on the field and uh, students fly as an elective, which is very rare. And Embry-Riddle, speaking of your alma mater, uh, Embry-Riddle has a program called the Gates Program, I believe. And it's basically a high school curriculum that they're giving for free to uh, high schools. And here in South Florida, in Broward County alone, I want to say there's six. Shout out to uh, Gustavo Junco, who's kind of the coordinator for that. And uh, we had 22 students from the Embry-Riddle High School program come about a month ago and do discovery flights, right? And it's it's not you're not going to graduate that program with AMP license. But a lot of those students are graduating with uh, the new drone uh, UAS 107 certificates, which is a foot in the door. You know, it's, it's an interesting way to kind of get to know a little bit more about aviation and, and about Embry-Riddle, of course. But that's a wonderful foundation. So you were young, you knew what you liked, and you just wanted to be around air, airplanes. You kind of wanted to, to get in there. 
And and I and I I always I always because uh, I I speak to a lot of students a lot of times and I always say just get involved. That's the most important thing. Uh, you know, no, even if you're 13 or 14 years old and and, and you really have an interest in airplanes, you know, go out to the airport. Ask mom and dad to take you out to the airport, take you out to flight schools, take you out to Wayman, let you get your foot in in the door. It, it, you know that those opportunities go on unrecognized, you know, and, and, and that exposure you may have at 13 and 14 might affect your whole career for the rest of your life. That's true. I can't tell you how many captains, air traffic controllers, operators I've spoken with that pumped gas when they were kids, washed airplanes, you know, and, uh, you know, work 10 hours, get maybe 30 minutes of flying in there. And uh, uh, it, it's a great way to go about it. You know, just kind of, like you said, putting yourself in the in the position where luck can happen, right? Like luck, I've, I've heard so many times that luck is not that lucky. You put yourself into these positions where something will happen, right? So if you hang out at the airport all the time, eventually someone's going to ask you if you want to go fly. <laughs> so, and, and, and of course, you know, preparation, you know, yeah. pre- prepare for, for opportunities. You never know when opportunities going to come knocking on your door. And um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big example of this, uh, of opportunities, you know, just um, being around, being in the right place, being, being, being ambitious about what you like to do. You know, people recognize that people do recognize you being ambitious and you being around and it, and it does help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, just being there and ready to say yes. You know, when that opportunity strikes, being ready, being prepared, going to asking yes. And, and I, as, as, as you went through your quick list there of, of how you got to where you are, you've done a great job of putting yourself out there, right? So Miami Dade College, which is your first alma mater, um, our long-term partner now, I think more than eight years, we've been Miami Dade College's flight training partner, graduated hundreds of their students, um, is really interesting because I've, I find these collegiate programs throughout the country. You know, not everyone's in Embry-Riddle, not everyone's the University of North Dakota, right? Miami Dade College's program goes back to the 60s, and I constantly find pilots and professionals that, yeah, I graduated from Miami Dade College in 80, 90, you know, whatever it was that they did. Um, but these programs exist in uh, Bowling Green, Ohio. You know, they're in little towns throughout the place where they're not a big part of the school. You know, it's not as big as the business school or uh, the football team or anything like that. But, uh, you know, they're consistent. And that's a great way for those students that are, are, are looking for guidance and funding to get there, right? Because there's a lot of scholarships if you're in the collegiate world, right? Yep. Here we are scratching it out for Avgas. And uh, there's some scholarships that go unclaimed, right? Yeah, there's a lot of scholarships that go unclaimed, and and most of the time the ones that go unclaimed is just because people haven't applied. And I think that's 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 the saddest part of it. You know, it's one thing if if, if they go unclaimed because uh, people publish scholarships and no one knows about it. A lot of people know about it, and they just don't get around to applying, or it it just they forget about the deadline and then there's scholarships that a lot of companies put out that go unclaimed, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, I know that actually you're, you're quite involved with some organizations that put scholarships out there and JetBlue, I think recently got behind uh, the Latino Pilots Association as well, I think for a scholarship. Yeah. We have, uh, we have a branch of JetBlue called the JetBlue Foundation. And what they do is they actually donate money to associations like the Latin Pilots Association or uh, OBAP, the Organization of Black Aerospace Professionals. And they do that to develop programs to help 
uh, young individuals are interested in aviation to and and help them to reach their goals in their careers. Absolutely, it's uh, and those organizations are are wonderful, right? Not just because they, they do scholarships, but uh, the networking that goes on in in, in there, the, the the support. Uh, I've seen study buddies come out of there. Um, and I think you're more involved with OBAP, is that right? Because that's how you came to how we originally met. Yes, I'm 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 a member of OBAP. I've been uh, involved for a little while now, and um, in in is it's pretty much it's like this. If you're you're interested in a- aviation, you're interested in becoming a pilot. You want to be around as many pilots as possible. Sure. You want to be if you're interested in becoming an aviation mechanic, you want to be around as many aviation mechanics as possible, and, and tap into all the, the the expertise and information that. You know these individuals have because they're, you know, there's so many people with, with valuable information and experience that are, are there to guide you and could help you for free. You know, they're 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 just offering. Uh, there's a lot of individuals like myself that are offering their time and efforts to give back. And if this is what you want to do, this is something that you know you should pursue further. You make a good point there. Now, uh, I forget who said it, but. Uh, uh, look at at your five at the five best friends around you, and you are an average of your five nearest friends. I think <laughs> if you find yourself yeah. pilots, very likely you're a pilot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If that's yeah. who you're talking to and talking shop and seeing every day, that makes yeah. sense. And that's, I think, something that I, I don't quite, quite use that wording, but I do tell a lot to to students early on, right? In every group of students that starts with us, there will be your very dedicated, passionate, high performers that are in the library studying every day. And they're the people that would rather be out at the beach, right? And they, they show up for a flight every now and then. But you know, <laughs> who do you hang out with? If, if you're at the beach, you might have fun right now, but you're not going to do too too well in the program. If you're hanging out with the, the student leaders that are in the library studying all the time, you're going to excel. You know, you're going to get there. You're going to get there quickly. Yep, yep. I, I highly suggest that. And you know, just being in an environment, you might be working on your instrument and talk to somebody who just finished their instrument. And they're working on a commercial just because they're one step ahead of you. They can give you, you know, some some shortcuts they might have learned, or some some tips they might have learned that help you get further through your training faster, so you don't have the hiccups that they might have had. Absolutely, and the you know your your peers, the people that you that your study buddies, the people you kind of start hashing it out with and doing that navigation flights. These are people that you might know the rest of your life. We're we're an international school, so we get people from all over the world, and it's the funniest thing to see uh, photos of like a Russian guy visiting their friend in Indonesia because they had a layover and like there, there's a there's that picture out at the barn. It's kind of fun to see those worldwide relationships happen. And uh, and it's true, you never know who's sitting next to you. The person that that is studying with you could be um, a pilot of the company you want to fly for down the road, could even be the chief, could be that hiring officer, right? Uh, walk into yeah. a room. You agree, you never know. My, uh, my, my flight instructor, I helped him get the job at JetBlue and... Uh, and I'm his boss. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, you never know. You never know how, how, how things play out. You know, I've, I've, uh, I was flying when I was flying at Miami Air, I was flying on a 7-3 and I was in, and I landed in Europe and we're at the hotel and I ran into a guy that I went to college with that was flying for another airline that just happened to be in Europe. You know, um, once you get, you know, this point in the game when you're flying commercially, you'll be surprised how small the world really is. Oh, yeah. I always say it's the biggest industry in the smallest community. You see the same people all over the place on layovers, at conferences and things like that. 
Um, you're, you're absolutely right. The network is so important. It's an important industry to not burn bridges either, right? Yes. yes Second, definitely. Uh, like, especially with a mandatory records request. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like uh, your your history definitely is a big part of, of how you get there. Uh, but you mentioned Miami Air. And I, I like the that you went through Miami Air because it's not a traditional route. A lot of people don't consider these smaller carriers. You know, they've got their eyes set on regionals and then American or Delta or whatever it might be. But especially this last year, you know, it's those smaller operators, the cargo companies that have been going really strong. But tell us about your Miami Air experience. How, how'd you get there? Well, you know, I... Um... I, I have to say that I, I really enjoy flying from Miami Air for, for a few reasons. Uh, one, of course, flying international. I went a lot of places in the world that I probably never would have met uh, otherwise, like Guam and Hong Kong and, and Kyrgyzstan and Saudi Arabia and a lot of places that I probably never would have went. But uh, it was very good experience. Sure. You know, when you when you get flying in other countries and and and, and realize how how easy we have it in the United States where you're, you're in radar contact all the time and you're stuck in the air traffic controllers all the time and, and, and things of that nature. A lot of the other countries don't have those uh, abilities to offer those things. Yeah. So when I had the opportunity to fly in a lot of other countries that didn't have as much. And because of it, it made me a better pilot. So when I did apply for a company like JetBlue Airways and, uh, and, and went to training, training wasn't, nowhere near what I, I experienced at Miami Air because the training at Miami Air was so strenuous because it was important because of all the places you were flying around the world and safety was obviously uh, paramount. Yeah, I heard they were really tough over there. Uh, now, for those of you that don't know, Miami Air uh, is, is a, a small carrier. I think they had five, six, 737s. Uh, they got I believe at the time I was there, they had six 737 800s nice. and two 400s. And the two 400s were configured for mostly sports teams, baseball teams, the Miami Heat, and they had executive seating. Exactly. So, so large charter and uh, special missions, cargo, military transport, I think also. They, they, they yeah, did. we did military transport. We did spring breakers. Sometimes <laughs> we did uh, fly college students down to like the uh, Caribbean or down to, to Florida for spring break. Wow, uh, right. We 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 did a, we did a lot of different flying. It was a lot of different flying. Um, I remember flying into uh, Romania one afternoon, and uh, we got into Romania, and it was a bunch of Coast Guard guys that were there. They're getting ready to go over to the uh, to uh, the Middle East. They just happened to be there for a few days, and we got to talk to them and talk to them and hear their experiences of flying, different approaches in the Middle East and and in Asia and, and stuff like stuff of that nature. That's true. You know, the U- the U.S. has an extremely advanced aviation infrastructure. You know, we we kind of fly inside of a safety blanket almost, right? You've got ATC looking at it at for you and all these kind of things. And uh, you don't have to go very far. You know, you just come down into Central America, South America, and that safety blanket, it's, it's not there, <laughs> right? Oh, well, just the Bahamas. You go to the Bahamas. I mean, Nassau. Nassau has uh, radar and and Freeport has has radar, but you go out to any of the uh, the outer islands, sure. it's not radar. You're out there by yourself, listening on the frequency, make sure you know uh, if there's any other traffic around, and make sure you're keeping a safe distance as, as far as also visually. Right, that's a good point. Yeah, it's just right here in the Bahamas, and so it's it's a good variety of experience because 
especially I'd say in the last five, six years, you know, the, the pilot shortage and like, uh, and, and people are flowing into regionals and airlines, including our own partners. They were flowing in so quickly that uh, they never really, well, I can't say they never put in their dues because they did, right? Many of them were flight instructors. They put in their time for a thousand, 2000 hours and they got up to the 1500 uh, that they needed. Uh, but it was a pretty quick flow now in the last year, I think those of you that joined the aviation industry uh, are seeing how cyclical it really is. All right, it goes up and down, and uh, and in your which, which is a good thing, which is a good thing because you know if you're starting in your career now, you 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 get to see how fickle sometimes the aviation field can be, mm-hmm. and it's better to see that early in your career than later in your career. You know, because there's a lot of people that are uh, in in airlines right now that are grateful for their job absolutely i mean grateful for their job and and with the pandemic you know it was was tough times you know it's tough times and now in your career though i imagine um you've been through a few of these turns i mean there was a 2008 uh downturn here uh those 9-11 of course i think which is the nearest thing because 9-11 we shut down uh, the flight school has been around 34 years we shut down 100 percent for at least six months right uh, airline wise, I don't think it was as long, but uh, you know, nothing like this last well, year. It depends on what sector you have to also keep that in mind because, um, you know, the majors are still still flying after September 11th, but a lot of 135 operators were hurting, a lot of 121 supplemental uh, were hurting because they didn't develop an infrastructure for going in and out of, out of the country after September 11th. It, it was all changing literally day by day you know and um so where the majors might have kept flying but other other vicinities or every parts of aviation was very affected part 91 um uh fractionals 135s uh other aspects were affected considerably by uh september 11th now uh i'm sorry i'm getting some news that we're we're having to do with our Facebook feed, but I think we're live on Facebook. Uh, so if you guys are watching us on Facebook, please confirm. I, I want to say it is it is uh, flowing through there. But so the cyclical, the cyclical phase of it is, um, let's see, well, that was about an, uh, an eight-year gap. And here we had about a 10-year gap. So it was about a decade-wide thing, right? And and those, of, those that came before us, of course, that's deregulation, Pan Am, and then Eastern, and all these guys. So, I mean, it's it's part of the industry. Right, it's just natural. We expand to it, kind of uh, our pilot egos kind of get popped, and we realize, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a, sens- it's a sensitive industry. I mean, um, and you know, it, it just takes fuel going up to above a hundred dollars a barrel, and you know, and it eats into a lot of the profits of the, of the airlines. So it's, 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 it's a tough industry, it's a great industry, but it's a, it's a tough one, yeah. And I think this year, and, and JetBlue has handled it much better, I think, than most. Um, you know, there was flight reductions all around, but I'm being told that domestically, I think, uh, travels back to about 70% inside the U.S. Uh, would you say you're seeing about that? Uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would say that our, our domestic demand is, is, has improved um, since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I think our international travel has been um, pretty much held back because of the restriction to, to take a COVID test prior to coming back into the United States. Mm-hmm. But um, hopefully, you know, things are optimistic right now. Hopefully we'll see things change up shortly. And hopefully um, we can see things start returning to uh, pre-pandemic uh, numbers. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, the domestic stuff, and I'm seeing this around the world too. I was talking to some uh, Brazilian friends. Tomorrow we have a Brazilian seminar actually. And uh, they were telling me that domestically, you know, flights are back up. They're, you know, not where we were a year ago, but they're, they're back up. It's those international flights, right? Um, it's the lack of embassies. It's uh, the restrictions, the, the COVID testing. Uh, but as the world kind of gets into this and vaccines become more and more prevalent, you know, in the U.S., I believe we're up to over 30 uh, percent adults uh, have been vaccinated already. Um, so it, it's kind of this return to normal. We're even thinking about having back in-person classes as soon as, as May or June of this year. Yeah, we've wow. been entirely on Zoom. We've all gotten really good at Zoom, right? <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of practice right yeah, <laughs> since is. we get good at it and, and it's going away <laughs> I know, I know. hopefully but it's interesting because i think we'll keep doing zoom to some extent i mean there's nothing quite like you know having a class with like you know 10 12 students and you know everyone's working on the the paper charts together and things like that but there's certainly a lot of things that i think will uh continue continue on zoom you know uh for example, I used to go off and, and do seminars and, uh, you know, I would be in Bogota or Lima or Delhi and, and do a seminar. Um, but now, you know, people from the comfort of their home can can kind of get this kind of information. Uh, yeah. Although I, I still do look forward to getting back <laughs> to that travel. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. There'll be some extent where um, we will probably do a lot more Zoom meetings, but at the same token, it won't they won't exclude actually uh in-person meetings because there's a lot of brainstorming that can happen in person that can't happen um, over a, a video call, you know? And, you know, coming back to, to the networking and developing your career side of it, okay, uh, a, a Zoom meeting is, is, is interesting. You get stuff done. But, you know, when an organization like OBAP has their conference, like a lot of stuff, a lot of getting to know and networking happens, you know, at the hotel bar, after the conference is over or like, you know, having lunch, that's really where you get to know other people and, and those opportunities, putting yourself in that place for opportunity. And it's just not. Yeah. Easy. I mean, I, I meet interesting people all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm, I met some great guys from United just waiting for an Uber, you know, um, you, you never know, you know, you never know who you'll meet being involved in these things. Um, um, I've, went to a, a Latin pilot association, one of the conferences and well, not, not a conference sponsored by them, but one of the conferences they, they joined and just to meet the, the individuals there and to hear every pilot's uh, journey to become a, 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 a commercial pilot. It never gets boring. It's like, it's like flying an airplane. You never see the same cloud over and over again. And you always see something different. It's great to meet other pilots and hear their stories or, and their experiences to get to where they got, you know, hear guys talk that fly the triple seven now, and they used to fly tail draggers in Miami, you know, and fly over the beach. You know, it's it's great to to hear those stories and hear uh, hear people's stories and their experiences. And you know, some guys I've I've talked to guys that flew charters to the Bahamas, and they say, "Oh, I just I love that job. If I can make the money I'm working right now, flying commercially, doing that, I would do it." You know, so oh. it. You know, that's the other thing that's the camaraderie and 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 and, and hearing the other aviators' stories and, and journeys is that's, that's, that's great. Absolutely. You know, somebody once told me when you hear some when you when you ask the pilot um, how they got into aviation, you get ready to hear a love story. Like there's always like <laughs> something, someone that took them to the airport or they live near the airport or that first discovery flight. Yeah, it's a very impactful, impactful moment. Um, 
So I'm I'm getting some some chatter here on the uh, on the chat that just a few years ago JetBlue announced it's continuing hiring, All right? So I mean you've been with me for the last ten minutes, so I'm sure you don't know too many details <laughs> about that. You know, um, uh, I know that one of the things that that we talked about before is that you sit in on a lot of hiring, a lot of interviews, um, and things like that. Um, I imagine it's been quiet for the last month, last year. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, it's been quiet. Um, I, I've done interviews for eight out of the eleven years I've been at JetBlue, wow. and um, it, from from being involved in recruiting for so long and, and consistently hiring since I've done interviews to now, where things have been completely quiet, it's it's, it's kind of eerie. But you know, it, it it's it's kind of like the calm before the storm. You know, I I honestly think that this is actually going to make the pilot shortage worse. And um, mm-hmm. it's yet to be seen, but that's that's my personal opinion. I think that you know when things do come back, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people trying to fly, and uh, I hope that you know we 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 have the pilots to to facilitate. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two. I mean, there's two fronts on that. So, I mean, the I think the first wave of travel is probably going to be you know the the grandparents that haven't seen their grandkids in a year, um, you know families that are they're spread apart getting together for Easter or birthdays or, or, or summer and things like that. Um, but the other side is you're absolutely right. The pilot shortage, and I hear this over and over again from everybody I talk to, the pilot shortage didn't go away. It's just hiding, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> yep. when, when this happened and early retirement was extended to a, a lot of pilots, you know, I think 700 pilots at American took it and similarly at United and others. And so it's actually accelerated the pilot shortage. Um, it's just on hold right now. Yeah, yeah and it, you know it's going to be uh, like you just said. You know, it's a lot of it's, it's a lot of family and friends and relatives, and uh, they're going to be traveling when when things finally open up and return. And um, you know, it, it, I think the demand is going to be overwhelming. You know, right now it, it, it's it's coming back and. Uh, and travels come creeping back, and when it when it finally does, it's it's, it's, it's going to be like gangbusters, you know. And and we'll be back, and all, all the airlines will be back to hiring again. Yeah, guarantee it. Not to mention the cargo side of things. Now the whole world. I mean, before Amazon and and you know mail to your to delivery to your door was growing and growing, but that's accelerated dramatically in the last year. And so that side of aviation uh, not only stayed strong, but it's grown dramatically. Uh, yes. Atmosphere and uh, everyone that operates uh, Amazon Air, uh, that side of the industry, along with executive aviation, also has continued to be really kind of like the bright point in aviation for last year. Yeah, and I, I think we'll see we'll see executive aviation grow grow as well because we'll see that come back before business travelers will probably start flying on airlines again because companies can't take the risk of. Uh, you find a Kansas City for a business meeting and and possibly being exposed to COVID if you haven't had your shot. So I, I expect the private and, and executive flying to possibly come primarily before they start going back to the airlines. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And so for everyone that's been kind of in a holding pattern, let's say you're that you are that flight instructor at fifteen hundred hours and you've been on hold. Maybe now you're pushing two thousand hours. If you kept your job, I know there were some people that got hired into to regionals, and then their um, their their training or their IOE was was put on hold. A lot of those are calling back right now. But you know, what do you recommend to to that pilot who's 
got their hours, they're ready to go, they're waiting for the application windows to open. Um, what should what should somebody like that be doing right now? Well, what I recommend is first, first, do not lose your ambition. You know, a, a lot, a lot of people, they they look at it negatively because they're like, well, I've worked so hard. I've spent so much money just to get here. And now look what's going on. Don't lose your ambition, you know, stick with it. We all, and ask any pilot that's been in, in commercial aviation, everyone will tell you they've been in some type of downturn, you know? So, you know, stay ambitious. Secondly, if, if you're flying, uh, if you're a flight instructor and you have 1500 hours and you're just waiting for your opportunity to possibly go to a regionals, you know, don't, don't give up on what you're doing, you know, keep up your craft, honing on your craft. If you're an instructor, you've been instructing for a year and a half now or two years, you know, how can you be a better instructor? Push yourself to be a better instructor. There's always something that you didn't know. It's always something that you can learn um, and push yourself to the limits to, to learn more. Take advantage of this time because, you know, if, if you need to brush up on your instrument skills, you know, this is the perfect time to do it. You know, because, you know, if you go to the regionals, they don't have time to teach you your yeah. instrument skills. You know, they 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 trying to teach you how to fly the, the regional jet and, and their procedures specifically for that airline. So, you know, honing on your on your instrument schools, honing on your you being an instructor, you know, um, you know, t read up on on jet transition courses. I mean, there's plenty of them online. Um, yeah. Look at YouTube videos and um, you might learn a new technique on holding a new technique on how to take a clearance down, you know, um, you guys have so many more resources that I didn't have when I was, in, when I was in training. So take advantage of this time. Uh, this is my words of wisdom, words of wisdom from Wayne, <laughs> uh, you know, honing on your craft, uh, take advantage of the time because when, uh, things do open up and for the regionals and they say you wanted to go to a regional airline and you're just waiting for that opportunity, you'll be ready. Absolutely. And you said something earlier that I think is really important for anybody that right now that's kind of uh, on hold, so to say, right? Is to get involved, right? Get involved uh, with organizations like OBAP, LPA, uh, the 99s, Women's Organization, Women in Aviation is a great organization. Get out there, volunteer. Um, Young Eagles, you know, if you if you have a local flight school, just go down, knock on the door, volunteer. Uh, you know, offer to do Young Eagles flights. Right. I think that is something that because it's one to one, um, I think it's actually been pretty successful in this last year. We've been able to get some kids, you know, out of their living rooms, away from the screens, over to the airport to, to do something fun. And in the end, it's it's donating time, a little bit of fuel uh, to go out and fly. But you stay current, you know, you stay current, you are you're sharing your passion for aviation and the kid has a great memory. And on your resume, you get one more line in there. You know, you're uh, an active a young Eagles pilot. Uh, when I look at resumes, I love seeing things like that because when I see uh, an active EAA member or an OBAP, uh, you know, secretary or vice chairperson or, or something like that, it tells me that they're 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 not just clocking out and going home, right? They're they're living it. They're in that pilot lifestyle and they're they're reaching out and making contacts. And like you said, you never know who you're going to meet at uh, uh, doing one of these things. Yeah. And, and I, and, you know, and, and, and to basically circle back and tag on to what you were saying. Also, you know, you know, my father used to always say, you know, help starts at home, you know, contributing your own flight school, you know, go sit down and watch the dispatchers and see what they do. Go sit down in, in one of the instrument classes that one of your colleagues might be teaching, you know, 
help out around uh, around your flight school. You're going to always learn something. You know, uh, those principles and, 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 and things that you might learn at that level will take you a long way in your career. You know, you don't see it later. I mean, you don't see it right immediately, but later in your career, you'll, you'll see it. And, and you'll, you have a broader sense than, hey, I fly the airplane from point A to point B. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time because, you know, anything you can do to not be away from, you know, to keep yourself current, you know, to to take out the, the cousin, the, the the friend's niece for a flight, <laughs> you know, that one hour to three flight. I, I just feel it's the, the hand flying skills. What, what I find is when people stay away, if you, you put all this effort to get your licenses, wherever you might be right now, private, commercial, CFI, you put all this time and effort, investment into getting there. But to let those licenses just sit on the shelf while you wait for a hiring window to open is, is kind of a recipe for disaster, right? Because yeah. then you get into the sim and you're behind the plane and, and all that stuff. So you got to stay on top of it, keep yourself current. Uh, the instrument side of things is very important, right? Because even as an instructor, how often do you shoot approaches yourself? You might be teaching them, <laughs> right? Right. But yep. uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta hop in the simulator or whatever it might be to do it yourself. Yep. Yeah. How do you think hiring will change? Right now, in the last five years, there was a pilot shortage, and we know that um, you know prior to that, it was almost they were trying to keep people out of the airlines, <laughs> right? Like you had to be. <laughs> You have to uh, reach this this high level to, to kind of be brought in, and then as a power shortage came, I know that the airlines, you know, uh, especially someone like like SkyWest, was very proactive about coaching uh, new pilots through Indoc and kind of getting them into into the airplane. Now, mm-hmm. at the JetBlue level, you're hiring typically somebody that's more experienced, probably three thousand plus hours. Um, but do you think it's going to be a higher bar? Is it going to be more more strict on hiring? Um, it's it's kind of hard to say right now. I mean, um, obviously there's there's a bunch of pilots right now that are, have tons of experience. You know, mm-hmm. there's still guys at, at, at regional airlines with six or seven thousand hours that would like to come to JetBlue. You know, I can't say the how long that will last. You know, if, uh, if throughout the whole industry, not just JetBlue or Spirit or American or United or anywhere else, you know, the, the demand for flying is not going to be enough pilots. So, you know, what's competitive now in six months may not be competitive, you know, and we see we see it all the time. When I got hired, what was competitive was somewhere around six to seven thousand hours to get hired at JetBlue. And I've seen it go down to around four thousand to thirty five hundred once it becomes competitive. So it, it varies, and 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 according to supply and demand, obviously. But um, you know, just you have to be prepared for success. You know, say, hey, look, if 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 it does come down to thirty five hundred hours, that's what's competitive or four thousand hours. I want to be ready. You know, if I consider for this job, I want to be ready. If it goes up to six or seven thousand hours, that's fine as well. Either way, I want to be ready. I want to be ready, and marked and ready for for my opportunity. Yeah. That's what it takes, right? Ready for your opportunities. I like that. Um, let's take to a few answers. We're actually, oh my gosh, we're getting to the end of our hour. But there are a few questions um, here in the pool. Uh, Preston would like to know your views on the restricted ATP in the airline industry. Uh, you know, that's being able to get your ATP at 1,200 hours or 1,000 hours if you have a bachelor's uh, down to <laughs> 700, I think, if you're a military pilot, right? right. Um, what do you think of that? My view is I, I don't think it's of any concern. I mean, you got to understand prior to the COVID crash, 
they there were guys flying commercially with less time than that. I think uh, the ATP restriction was put in just to, to to give a little more buffer for safety, you know, and and I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's, it's a good thing because it, it, if you're transitioning from a prop airplane to a jet airplane, you know, they don't going over your scan in a jet airplane is not the good, the best thing to do, you know you should have your scan down before you get into a jet airplane. So, you know, the, 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 the fact of the, in having the ATP uh, at a certain amount of time or restricted ATPs just added buffer of safety. I think it's a good thing. Um, and uh, it, it's good because, you know, even the pilots that are coming in as first officers, you're not going to be first officers forever. You're going to be captains. When, when a company hires you, they're hiring you to be a captain one day. And you're going to have to fly with the FO that has less time and less experience. And you're going to teach them as well. You know, so I, the ATP program, I think it, uh, it wasn't received well at first, but I think it's, it's a good thing. And uh, and hopefully, I mean, I think the intent was to cut down on possibility of, of, of more um, accidents. And I think that's that's shown over the last few years. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And you know, the accidents that have happened, even these uh, 737 MAX ones, you know, there were some system things, but it was a combination of that with inexperienced pilots that I think ultimately led to, to what happened there. Uh, we have a question here from an attendee. Uh, how many hours do you work as a pilot? Kind of straightforward. <laughs> so when you become a, a commercial pilot and you land at one of the, uh, the 121 carriers, you know, you have a lot of flexibility on your schedule and as everything's done by seniority base. But, you know, you can determine if you want to work as, as little as, you know, 15 days in a month or you want to work as many as 20 or 22 days a month. You have a lot of flexibility in these airlines uh, right right now on how much you want to work or how little you want to work. Yeah. That's the bidding process. You bid on how many flights or what lines you want. Yeah, you, you bid according to seniority and, and uh, they they basically your bid is depending on how much flight hours the company has for that for that month. And um, you would bid around a certain amount of hours, and you can some sometimes you can bid for like what they call a flight line for seventy five hours, and then you can probably drop below that, or you can fly above that, depending on what your your wants and needs are. And you know the, the quirky thing about this question about how many hours a pilot work is that uh, you almost have to think about being a pilot less as like a nine to five and more of a, a lifestyle, right? Like you're flying X amount of hours. Right, but some of you are commuting to get there, right? There's uh, there's there's training time, there's currencies, there's reserve time. So there's a kind of pretty dramatic. Yeah, there's a lot, right? So like if you if you fly a four day and you fly twenty five hours in a four day, you're basically twelve days in a month. You're done for the month. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So That's so you have eighteen days off for that month. So it just kind of depends on, you know. And that's why so many captains I know have that sideline. It feels like every captain has like a little side business, like <laughs> property rentals, or they got something on the side. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to. I mean, if you get 18 days off, you know, um, what some guys do, they might even pick up another trip, you know, and you make 20 to 25% more than what you would have if you didn't fly. So um, just it's, it's, it's a lot of flexibility and uh, on what you like and what's in favor for you. Some people like to take that time off and travel. Some people like to spend that time with their family. Mm-hmm. Some people like to start their own businesses. It's, it's the, it get, the good thing about this job, it gives you a lot of flexibility and a lot of options. It does. Absolutely does. 
Um, there's several questions about hiring demand from JetBlue, but I, I think it, the news is so breaking that we can't really speak too much about it. Apparently, it's a call for 200 pilots and what they want to hire on. But I think for those of you that are curious specifically about the call that just went out, I think you're better off kind of tuning into Aero News and kind of seeing how that progresses. <laughs> I don't know if you want to speak to it. I well, I, I, I can't say that um, things are looking optimistic. I can say that things are looking optimistic and hopefully that hopefully we will be hiring soon. I, I can't speak specific or on times, but I hopefully we will be hiring soon. And, and um, as, as well as the whole industry, you know, I hope, I hope the whole industry starts hiring, hiring soon. Oh yeah. I certainly believe it. Um, and, and so here's a fun question. Like I said, we're kind of getting to the end of our hour. So maybe we'll finish on this question. Uh, Tim Sutton uh, in Missouri uh, says that airlines have cultures. You know, Southwest is known as a, as a fun place. Delta is very professional. Uh, what do you, what do you, how do, would you describe the culture at JetBlue? So at JetBlue, we have what we call our values. So we have safety, caring, integrity, passion, and fun. And, and JetBlue says, hey, look, these are our five values and this is what we, we take to, to work every day. You know, of course, everybody wants to be safe. Right. We want to demonstrate caring towards our, our fellow crew members and our customers. You know, we want to make sure that when we do when we when we work and, and, and we provide our service, we do it with integrity and and fun and passion. You know, we, we when I go to work, I like to have fun and I have my I make sure that my team is having fun. We are always cutting jokes and having a good time. And 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 that's the environment that JetBlue provides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I like about my job. I like going to work every day because I'm, I'm happy with the people I work with. I know we're going to get work done, but we're going to enjoy it. And, and, and culture is very important. Make sure that whatever airline you decide to go to or every company that you want to go to, that it's something that fits for you as well, because you don't want to be at a company where you're unhappy, because if you're unhappy, your performance is going to show that you're unhappy. So, um, absolutely. Yeah, and that's something that I would encourage everyone is research the airlines that you're applying for uh, because they do have, they are known for different things, uh, not just routes and, and aircraft types, but, you know, the kind of environment you're going to be going into. You're, you know, JetBlue is one of my favorites. Not only are the home base here for Lauderdale that I always fly out of, my wife has a JetBlue credit card. That so I uh, <laughs> really enjoy it. Thank you for your business. <laughs> Thank you so much, Wayne, for joining us. And I do actually have a little announcement, something that we're just uh, launching this week. Uh, So we've been doing these um, Insight Aviation interviews where we have captains such as yourself, air traffic controllers, uh, aerospace professionals can come in and interview. We're now going to be taking this series, which has been on on YouTube and on Facebook, and we're turning it into a podcast. So uh, I think starting right now, you can go on to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, Insight Aviation. And you'll have uh, you know our first four episodes, and I think we've got maybe a, a dozen in the pipe ready to go. So excited about that, you know. Uh, awesome, that's great. This that's is great. a product of the pandemic as we started doing these, and I've gotten to really enjoy it. <laughs> so that's awesome. Join us. Any parting words? Uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you or to JetBlue in general. Um. Yeah. I mean, my 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 final words would be you know honing on your craft, you know. Uh, stay positive. Stay ambitious. Things are going to turn around. They're going to play off. They're going to pay off. Uh, I, I was right in the middle of September 11th, and where they said that this was going to be a long time for things to turn around, and when they did, you have to, you know, just be ready. 
you know, and those will be my final words. You know, just be prepared, be patient, and stay ambitious. And if if you guys have, if you guys have any questions for me, get my information from Eddie. He'll sure. he'll plug me in and uh, and and, and uh, send me an email or give me a call. We can talk. Yeah, feel free to reach out to uh, info at wayman.edu, W-A-Y-M-A-N.edu. Happy to answer any questions, any questions you might have about flight training, become a professional pilot, or if you want to get in touch with the man right here, Captain Wayne Myers, uh, feel free to do that. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for everyone for tuning in this afternoon. You have a great day. Thank you for having me. Have a good evening, everybody. My pleasure. Thanks, everyone. This series is brought to you by Wayman Aviation Academy. Learn to fly with a safe, reliable, professional academy located between Miami and Fort Lauderdale in sunny South Florida, USA. Enjoy the training and cosmopolitan life with Wayman's 42 aircraft, six airline partners, and two bases to help you be the captain.